45-40, run William, run! He's got blockers in front, five, touchdown! Joshua Crib! He snapped back, ball down, can't block. block! They blocked the kick! This is the Orange is Orange or Browns podcast. I am your host, Chase Smith, and with me, as always, Browns insider Jeremy and Akron. Jeremy, what's up, man? Hey, Chase, what's up, man? It feels like forever since we've been together. Nice to be back and uh, excited for this big guest. It has been a minute. With us today is a very special guest. He is an analyst with Pro Football Focus. He is the uh, Browns media correspondent, uh, John Costco. Thank you for joining us this, this afternoon, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure uh, being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yep, it's going to be great. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give kind of like an end-of-season roster breakdown. We're going to go over our weakest and strongest positions on offense, our weakest and strongest positions on defense, and then look at that uh, data and kind of help us with what we're going to target this offseason as far as free agency and draft. But before we get into that, John, we'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Um, when did you know that your love for football could become a job? Like, how did, how did that happen? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting question because uh, my love for football started when I was four months old and my parents would plop me down in front of the TV. The only way to get me to stop screaming and crying was to watch football. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I played football in my entire life. Um, you know, in, in college, I played for the University of Kansas and Wanted to get more playing time, played for, uh, transferred to a D2 school in Kansas at Emporia State. Uh, and then my career ended pretty abruptly with, with injuries and uh, got mono and lost 40-some pounds. So um, I, essentially, like, I, I always grew up thinking I was going to do something in football because I loved it so much. Um, but when, I, when that happened, mono kind of wipes you out and really distorts your brain and I wasn't thinking clearly and I started going off different paths of trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh, and then uh, I was looking for uh, was it four years ago now five years ago that I was looking for part-time jobs just that I could do from home to make some more money because I was I had a you know a, a wife and just a, had a one-year-old baby I was about to have another baby and uh, you know came across pro football focus and I applied for the position and I thought it was going to be, you know, fantastic that I could do it from home. And uh, it turned in, you know, I got, got hired part-time, did it for a season, uh, essentially did it full-time uh, while working another full-time job. And then, I think that's what part-time means, really. <laughs> it, this, this, was, this was intense, uh, for yeah. sure, because I was, I mean, I was doing 40 hours a week in my regular job. I would come home at, you know, 3 in the afternoon, spend time with the family until 8, and then I'd be from 8 until three in the morning working this um and you know it led to a, to a full-time job and, and that's where i am now so it's you know i can't complain about putting in 90 some hours a week uh between the two jobs so uh, that's how i got here and that's you know i, I don't know where and along the line that i've you know where you could say i wanted to fall into football as a, as a career but it's something i've always wanted to do essentially so how did you make the connection with pro football focus where did that come from Essentially, it was a free agent period when I think it was like Mike Pettin's first offseason, and they had just signed uh, Dante Whitner. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was looking, I was just looking at what you know what they were these players that they were signing. And I knew knew them, but I didn't know exactly how good they were and how they were going to be able to contribute. And so I was just researching online on like some of the lesser known guys, and I just came across Pro Football Focus. It just and I saw that they were looking for part time analysts, which is something that we're actually doing right now again. Um, so I can encourage anybody that wants to 
to get into this, just even if it's just that I want to do it as a hobby. But um, that's essentially how I, I fell into it. Is just I was just googling, and you know, yeah. much much smaller company back then too. So we've grown so much since then. Yeah, and I really do feel like Pro Football Focus has really come on the scene the past two, three, two, three years. People have been using advanced analytics. It's been a huge rush in that, especially with football. And you saw the Browns dive into the deep end head first with that. Um, now, does everyone use the same formula? I kind of feel like there's like the secret formula, like like Coca Cola that that you guys use or that people use. Is is there like a universal formula that everyone uses, or how how do you determine a grade for a player? So basically, you know, when it, when a uh, coach coaches look over the film, they they grade players on a plus minus scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, either you did your assignment or you didn't do it. And if you made a like a big time throw, you're probably getting a plus plus that type of thing. And, and essentially, that's how we we approach the grading of the players as well. Uh, we're doing a lot of the uh, data collection as well along with it because because you can grade somebody on a play. So say, you know, Miles Garrett, you know, makes a sack and you're, you're grading that play. Um, how quickly did he get to this to the quarterback? Did he do it in a – did he have to beat two, two offensive linemen to do so? Was he – did he come unblocked for some reason? Uh, both, all those things take into consideration how – big of an impact or, you know, how big of a grade that is. Um, but then you're also looking at the player participation side of it too. So mm-hmm. like, you know, he got, let's say he got one sack and, and five hurries in this game. And that seems like a great game, uh, but it could have been on 60 pass rushes or it could have been on 30 pass rushes. It makes a difference in terms of how that grade gets normalized. And so that's essentially how it is. We do it on a, on a, Point, you know, 0.5 increments from minus two to plus two. Uh, obviously, a zero grade is like an, an expected grade. And so a lot, lot does go into it. Each position is kind of normalized differently and graded a little bit differently, obviously. And you know what, John? I love that approach. And, you know, I find myself falling into it with a, well, did he actually make the play? But you know what? The more consistently he beats the, uh, you know, the offensive tackle, let's say, for Miles Garrett, the more consistently he's going to end up making plays. So I understand the value in it. Do you think uh, advanced analytics is here to stay in the NFL? Do you think it's something that'll be around for as long as the game's around now? I, I believe so. I think it's just growing. Uh, you look at what the Eagles were able to do this past year, and it, it's a team that really em- did embrace it uh, and utilize the information to effectively win games. Um, because, there's, a, I mean, essentially it's just utilizing data uh, to better better put yourself into a position to win the game. Um, I, I they feel were like to- the Eagles, sorry, I feel like the Eagles are like the bizarro Browns, man. Like that, <laughs> they did advance analytics. Like that could have been the route our franchise went. I honestly, man, I really do. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really it's, it's, it is because I think every team does it. You look at the Patriots and Bill Belichick's famous for his like stats for losers or quote, but he uses data to his advantage to define some type of edge. You know, you look at, mm. When when Team X does this, what a you know what's their success rate on this, and how why are they getting success successful there? So you can that's essentially what it is. It's just being able to find the tendencies and and exploiting them that you can use to your advantage. So uh, every team every team uses the analytics in some form, but yeah. obviously some will use it more. And I think it's just really growing. And you look at a team like the Eagles who just won the Super Bowl, and they are at the forefront of doing utilizing analytics and and different ways of how to you know going for it on fourth downs a lot more than uh and in certain situations too so like um it's just how you utilize them and i think how they did it was is a good stepping stone for the rest of the league yeah john we're going to use 
these analytics as we do our little roster audit here. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Cool. So let's uh, start with our, our offense. Um, one that probably uh, was under the most scrutiny this year as far as turnovers and just lack of points. Let, let's start with the number one position on offense, the quarterback. Um, John, what, what do you have for us as far as where our positions rank in the league? And, and their play this season with quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterback, obviously, that's a position that needs upgrading. We all know that. Uh, Kaiser, as a, as a rookie, struggled. And, and as a 21-year-old, one of the youngest ever to, to start at the quarterback position, you, you expect that to happen. Uh, what you wanted to see was, was progress throughout the year, and you saw that towards the end of the season. Uh, but what you don't know is, is, if is, is it enough? So – you have to improve that position. Kaiser struggled, but he did show promise in, in certain areas. He was obviously against Detroit. He played really well. Uh, Minnesota, he started, you know, the first game, he really kind of showed that he could, you know, manage a game well if, if the, the, you know, the game plan was structured right for him. So um, we saw that. You saw that throughout the season, but then you also saw games like against Jacksonville where he, you clearly lost the game for the team. Mm-hmm. What you want is a consistent player at that position um when your defense plays well even if your quarterback is just playing at maybe at an average level he gives you a chance to win instead of playing at a you know obviously a sub subpar level so uh kaiser you know he's, he's a guy that uh had had a lot of turnover where he throws he can make a lot of big time throws but just had on a positive to negative graded throw ratio obviously was really really poor against the rest of the league he graded as a 36 best I guess you could say starting quarterback at a and our zero to 100 grades of 46.4 so obviously not good it's at the same level as like Matt Stafford Jared Goff uh even uh, Derek Carr as, as rookies so you can see that it's not the end-all be-all but uh when you c- couple that with the fact that in our in our college grades which we do uh as well he didn't grade well in, as his, in his final season so um, there's some concern there, and obviously you just want to do everything you can to improve that position. So, John, do you think that's a concern? Because I saw, I think it was you or someone else from PFF put out Kaiser's college gradings, and it was almost the exact same thing. It was constantly up and down, zero consistency, a great game, a poor game, a good game, a bad game. Do you think this could be his fatal flaw, or do you think there's a chance he could bounce back and be a player moving forward? So, in my opinion, I think he, that's what you're going to get from him is an inconsistent quarterback because he has the, the, the issue of accuracy, and he does tend to process uh, plays and information and defense uh, a little bit slower than you would like. Obviously, he can improve that all that aspect, but he has a basic inaccuracy issue that even when his mechanics are right, his accuracy isn't, you know, it's, it's just not consistent enough. Um, so yeah, it, it, I called it the Kaiser coaster where, you know, you have one game that was like really excellent and then the next game was just really bad. So I think that's what you're going to see from him. He's a guy that you can get like, you know, an excellent game, like a, that Detroit game or, uh, well, another game that he had that was really good at the end of the year, I think the, the Packers game. So like until the, until the, you know, the end of the game where he threw that, that bad interception would it going across his body. So yeah, I think that's what you're going to get. You're just going to get constant inconsistency, ups and downs. You're going to have games where he's super good, and then you have games that he's really bad. Yep. So I want to take the rest of this offense in units because we have our receiving unit, our running back unit, and our offensive line unit. 
and and at the end, I want to go back and kind of touch on all, all positions here one more time for the offense. But which of those units, offensive line, receiver, running back, is, is our strongest unit? Definitely offensive line. Okay. And the obviously when Joe Thomas went down, it struggled, you know, a little bit more after that. Even if even they started, they did start gelling uh, together. But when you go from Joe Thomas to Spencer Drango. Yeah. Uh, and even even if you if you like Spencer Drango as a as a prospect moving forward, uh, there's obviously a huge drop off there. As a guy that is a, obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer versus a uh, a, a second year player who was drafted in the fifth round, so um, right. you can you can scheme all around you know a, a deficiency like that, which is not a problem. You know, look at what the Eagles did against when Jason Peters went down; they were able to do the same thing, but. Uh, the strongest unit is clearly that, that offensive line. When Thomas was in there, uh, you got Joel Batonio, who is our second-best graded guard. Uh, you had Kevin Zeitler, who was number eight in our grades as well. Uh, and then even J.C. Treader, who, who struggled initially, but once he got into the groove of, of gelling with the rest of the offensive line, really graded out pretty well. It was the 13th-best guard in our, our center in our grades. Um, and, then, and then Sean Coleman showed flashes. He was, he was inconsistent, but he, you saw – good from him and I think you can only see improvement uh you give him another year you let these guys grow together hopefully Joe Thomas comes back uh that's obviously up in the air right now but that clearly is the best unit John let me ask you this real quick as a guy who watches a ton of film is there is Joe Thomas the best tactician of all time is he the best technical left tackle in football history you think I mean that's it's Probably top five easily. I can't say that I, I watched the, you know the guys back in the the seventies and eighties and nineties as closely sure. as I do now. But I mean, in the in the game right now, he definitely is. Uh, there's he he doesn't have very many false movements, if any. Uh, he rarely, you know, you look. We we do a lot of different types of charting, and one of the chartings we do is is how many actually helmet contacts a player makes. And uh, he's a guy that like rarely gets his head hit. He's always got his, has his head up. He's looking at what he's blocking, and he's using bodies and his hands extremely well. His feet, footwork is extremely good, uh, and just utilizes his entire body in in a technical and, and very coherent way. So, yeah, I mean, you can argue for sure he's definitely the best now, and maybe maybe top five all time. Okay, John, let's move to the running backs. It's probably going to be a big shakeup this off season, but I think you know Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crow had their moments. What is your take on the Browns running back situation right now and moving forward? Yeah, I think Duke Johnson is, is a dynamic threat, especially as a receiver. And you got you to put him in space and make, make him, you know, put the ball in his hands and just get him uh, the, the operation to, to utilize in, in the swing game, put him out in the slot, put him out wide, do, do anything you can to get him the ball because he is a dynamic weapon. He had 44 missed tackles this year, uh, obviously led the team there. Uh, and then you can utilize him better by putting him into uh, instead of instead of running him up the middle where he's he's okay at he's not great but putting him on an outside zone he was one of the best outside zone running backs in the NFL this year. Uh, Crowell he was a guy that was really good up the middle, uh, but when they decided to utilize him in outside zone carries, which was quite often as the second most carries that he did have, uh, he struggled there. He it was his worst. He had like 3.1 yards per carry in outside zone where he was above four in every other. Uh, concept. So, um, yeah, you're going to see Crow go probably go this year. Obviously, he's, he's tweeted out a number of times that he's very unhappy with how he was utilized. And um, I, this is going to be a draft class that you can get somebody in 
in the third round that's going to be very good moving forward. So, and who knows? They also got um, Matthew Days, who, you know, we'll see what he can be. He only got like a number, a couple of carries this year uh, and looked good in the preseason. But uh, Duke Johnson is definitely a guy that you want to keep on the team long term. You can see how the yeah. Patriots utilize those types of guys uh, and, yeah. and have success with it. So uh, before we move to receivers, does 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 our running back unit kind of is that kind of league average? Or are we below or um, above kind of uh, league average there? League average for sure. I mean, you got Duke Johnson. He was he was our number two graded receiving back. Uh, it was it was 16th overall. Um, and so when you, when you look at what Crow is going to be leaving, he was a guy that was below average, but uh, uh, he was pretty solid as a receiver. But I guess I guess if you're if you're seeing what's being returned, you're looking at league average, and then it obviously depends on what they how they move address it moving forward. Now the final unit on offense is our wide receiving core, which saw a huge shot to the arm with the return of Josh Gordon, but was a huge struggle mode all season. Let's uh, just rip it off all at once like a band aid, John. <laughs> Give it to us straight, man. <laughs> yeah, so you got Josh Gordon. You know, obviously hope that uh, he stays clean and continues, you know, they'd be able to sign him long-term because he is a dynamic weapon. Um, I still hold out hope for Corey Coleman, but, you know, obviously he, he's, he's got the case of the drops, uh, the, the biggest one of the year, obviously, at the end of the last game, last play of the year. Um, and then the rest of the unit, it's just – the rest of the unit, I mean, they, they struggled. And then part of that is because of the quarterback position. It's hard to separate the two. But at the same time, mm-hmm. so Josh Gordon didn't, didn't qualify for enough snaps to – to be ranked, but if he were, he was the top, it was a number 10 graded wide receiver at, at PFF. So yeah. even, even with a bad quarterback situation, he still graded well because he was able to, uh, when he, he got the, he, when he was targeted, a catchable target, he was able to make the most of it. So um, you can't say, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of what we do at PFF. You look at all these, you know, you can see the receiving core. It's all bad. It's all red. It's all, it, they're, well below average bottom five unit in the NFL, but then you have a guy like Josh Gordon who actually excels, you know, and grades well. So, um, yeah, so that's that's where the wide receiver position is at right now. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you think of Rashard Higgins? I thought Hollywood Higgins had a pretty nice game the last week. Do you think improved quarterback play would help him? I think he's Absolutely. a solid route runner, and I think he could be a player. Yeah, this is a guy that I liked coming out of college quite a bit because he because of his route running, and he does have good hands. I think he has to be utilized in, in, a, in a specific way, but he is a good route runner. And there's a number of times when you watch him on, on the All-22 where he's not getting targeted, but he's open. So um, a better a better quarterback that can just see the field and go through his progressions would be able to get him the ball and, and utilize him better. Because uh, you're right, I, he's a guy I do like. Uh, he's not obviously the he's not flashy. He's not going to beat you a speed, but you saw what he was able to do against Pittsburgh. He got the ball in his hand on a slant and, and took it uh, 50 yards. So uh, yeah, this is a guy I think that you need to keep on your on the team because he can catch the ball and he's good with his route running. I know everybody loves Ricardo Lewis's potential because of the athleticism, but athleticism is not everything. And, and he's a guy that drops a lot of passes and, and struggles with his routes. John, yeah. So with all of our receivers, uh, not including Josh Gordon, I, I'm just trying to gauge where we're at here. Would any of our receivers had seen the field last night in the Super Bowl, the Eagles Patriots, would any of our receivers have seen the field? Well, 
Kenny Britt was on the Browns, and he's not. Yeah, he was inactive. <laughs> <laughs> he was inactive that piece. Yes, of he time. was. There's, there's, um, there's your answer. There's your answer, Chase. That's your answer. No. <laughs> there, it's so of the guys you got probably Higgins and Coleman that might have. I think those are the two guys that. It, you know, especially look, especially look at the, the Patriots and how they're depleted at that position, especially after um, Cooks went out. I, I think they could have used an, imp- an upgrade at that position just in terms of their depth. Corey Coleman is a guy that uber talented, yep. uh, could have could have potentially seen the field. But who knows? You know, Bill Belichick, he didn't play Malcolm Butler last night. So. Yep. So what is our worst unit on offense? Is it quarterback, receiver? I mean, what what's the final verdict? So you weigh, obviously, the two. It's got to be quarterback right now because the quarterback position makes everybody else on the field better, um, and, and that's just the truth. So um, you, go, you go quarterback, and you look at – I mean, you just look at across the league. Um, competent quarterback play wins you games. Uh, you can have inconsistencies at other positions, but if you're, if you're reading the field and getting the, the ball to the right play, player and in stride, you're going to you know, have yourself a chance to, to win the game. So, John, wrapping up the offense going forward with the Browns, what do you think we need to address most in the offseason um, for this team? Well, quarterback position first and foremost, and, and you have to do it both in free agency and in the draft. And there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, you just just attack it uh, with, with Kirk Cousins and then you can draft elite players in the draft. In my opinion, you, you attack it both with your number one overall pick and trying to get the best free agent. So if that's, that's Kirk Cousins, do you get Kirk Cousins and then you draft your quarterback number one? It doesn't – to me, it, like, who cares about the feelings of the player at this point? Look at what the Eagles did two off-seasons ago. Uh, they, they went after Sam Bradford, who was the best free agent quarterback available to them then. They signed yep. him to a three-year, $39 million deal, something like that. And then they went up and traded up twice to get Wentz. And that obviously had worked out for them, even though that Wentz was injured for the Super Bowl. They still – have their franchise quarterback. So uh, you take as many swings at this as possible this offseason. You have the ammunition to do it in the form of money, and you have it with your number one overall pick. I, you cannot punt. You cannot keep punting this uh, opportunity. You had last year at the number one overall pick, potentially could have taken Patrick Mahomes or Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson, whatever. You punted it away, and those all those guys might become franchise quarterbacks. You cannot do it again this year. Even if you have two franchise quarterbacks on your team, two is better than none, which the Browns always have. So, so John, uh, we've heard a couple of big, big name receivers on the market. Um, Jar- Jarvis Landry's been thrown around. Is he going to be a free agent? Yeah, Jarvis Landry is a free agent as of today. He might get re-signed, uh, but he's a guy that um, is, he's a unique talent for sure because um, in terms of you know, he grades extremely well in our grades. He, he forces a lot of missed tackles, but he's a guy that you, you obviously pin as a slot guy, but is obviously much more than that for the Dolphins. Uh, it just depends on how the rest of the league views him and how they would utilize him because he's being utilized correctly in, in Miami, uh, but he's due for a big payday. And uh, he, he's a guy that the Browns could potentially go after, um, but you've got to be able to utilize him correctly because he's very – I mean, he's very good at what he does, and that's that's catching balls underneath and forcing a lot of missed tackles, and really not actually getting a lot of yards per catch. Yeah. What are some other receivers that that we that we could potentially target? 
So there's Allen Robinson, who's a guy that I, I like. Uh, when Blake Bortles was uh, good in his, soft, in his fr- uh, second season, uh, Allen Robinson was graded extremely well. He was a top 10 wide receiver in our grades last year, uh, before uh, the year, you know, two years ago, before when he w- was still there and not injured. Blake Bortles struggled mightily, and he his grades dropped off some there too. So uh, this year it would have been nice to see how he did with a, an improved Blake Bortles and improved uh, passing attack from, from the Jaguars. But he's a guy that coming off his surgery should, should be a little bit of a discount. Um, but if his ch- medical checkout is a very good talent and a guy that you should, we should go after. That concludes the first half of our interview with John Costco of Pro Football Focus. Ended up going a little longer than anticipated, and instead of cramming it all in one episode, we decided to break it up. To listen to our defensive review with John and Pro Football Focus, please listen to our next podcast. You can follow John on Twitter at PFF underscore John Costco. That's capital J-O-N, capital K-O-S-K-O, at PFF underscore John Costco, and us at orange is orange don't forget review and subscribe on itunes we're trying to reach 75 reviews if you do leave us a review and leave your twitter handle you'll be entered to win a 25 dollars amazon gift card thanks for listening